This is episode three of the Great Speech Podcast on the greatest speeches by women. My personal top ten. <laughs> Maybe not. It's a Great Speech Podcast for the public speakers. We're going way down deep to look at what makes a communicator. We'll look at all different topics from the bottom to the top. So get your mind free of all the distractions and please listen up, listen up, listen up. It's the Great Speech Podcast. 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 Thanks, Dad. Greetings, greetings, my great communicators. How are you guys doing? Let's get going with a quote, which is how I will always start my podcast episodes. Uh, The quote of this episode is by... A remarkable young lady, really. Uh, She is a young Pakistani educator. She is the youngest woman ever to win the Nobel Peace Peace Prize. Uh, And her work really is focused on educating and and empowering other young women. She is, of course, uh, Malala Yousafzai, inspiring young lady. And her quote is, We realize the importance of our words only when we are silenced. We realize the importance of our words only when we are silenced. That's so apt because we are focusing today on great speeches by women. Now, I kind of came at this topic sideways in a way. I was I was researching great speeches by black men and women. Uh, A big focus of my life, as many of you will know, is on work in the black community. I am a member of the 100 Black Men of London. I was its president for five years. And I'm now sitting on the board of the 100 Black Men of America, which is a real privilege. And uh, so a big part of my life really has been dedicated to that kind of work. So I was researching speeches by black men and women, and I was coming across all the greats, you know, by Nelson Mandela, Kwame Nkrumah, Martin Luther King, of course, Barack Obama. And what I was noticing, however, was that as much as I could easily find speeches by black men, I wasn't having so much luck in finding a lot of speeches uh, by women generally. Not that they didn't exist, but it was much harder to find, you know, all the books I would read, uh, the posts I would, you know, research would typically talk about the the usual, you know, the usual suspects, I call them when it comes to speeches, you know, your Gandhi, your Churchill, your Steve Jobs, your Martin Luther King, of course, uh, your JFK. Uh, But a lot of the times, a lot of speeches that I knew of, which I thought were equally good, if not better sometimes, were really just not referenced at all. And uh, so so I kind of came at the issue sideways, just it kind of dawned on me that actually a lot of speeches that should be recognised weren't being recognised. And so that's when this idea of doing something just on speeches by women formed in my mind and has led to a blog post that I've done, which I will share with you at some point. I will tell you why I haven't shared with you immediately yet. Uh, And also this podcast episode. Uh, Now, actually, this episode, in fact, this post is really, it's tinged with a slight bit of sadness because when I was doing my research, I came across a fantastic blog called the Eloquent Woman blog by a lady called Denise Graveline, who's a a communications expert, much like myself. Uh, And it's a great resource because it just had pretty much every speech that ever been given uh, of note by a woman and you know 
broken down into different categories and analyzed. And I have to say, it is the single best resource I have found on speeches by women. Uh, the reason I say it's tinged with sadness is because uh, I reached out to Denise actually a few years ago uh, when I was doing some stuff on this uh, and we kind of exchanged and I gave her credit for the fact that I'd written something using a lot of her work. Uh, and then I was th- thought of reaching out again to her for this podcast episode. I thought maybe I might even interview her. But I noticed that a lot of her stuff hadn't been updated recently and she was actually very good at updating. You know, her Twitter post was been dormant, you know, Facebook, her blog posts. And I found out that in fact, she had passed away last year in 2018, uh, which is really very sad because uh, although I never met her, we certainly did uh, communicate. And uh, from what I could tell, she was um, a great and remarkable woman. So this podcast episode is slightly tinged with sadness uh, and is dedicated to uh, Denise. Uh, so thank you, Denise. Uh, the great thing actually is that her blog, post, her blog is still up uh, and I'll put a link in the show notes as well. So in a way, kind of the internet helps our words live on beyond our lives. Uh, okay, so uh, before we get going, let's just quickly head to Review Corner. Uh, now, quite an exciting week for me this week, actually, because I have my first negative, well, or semi-negative, perhaps, uh, review. Now, you might you might hear a bit of excitement in my voice, but I, I, I trust, I, I promise you, this is genuine, because. If you know, you know, when I talk to people about communicating, about public speaking, about, you know, giving great speeches, about leadership, even, I always talk about the fact that you have to be willing to put yourself out there. And when you do, you will automatically have people who either take against you or disagree with you. That is a good thing. Or people who don't particularly appreciate your style. That is a good thing. It means you're putting out something worth note, something worth having an opinion on. So I'm actually very pleased to have a review uh, that is not kind of effusive and positive, but one that actually gives a little bit of, I think, actually constructive criticism, but I'll let you be the judge of that. Uh, so let me give you that. Yeah, I'm, now I'm not, I've actually got a kind of couple of reviews. I'm going to speed through these, but I'm not going to do the the typical, you know, this is what middle managers are told. You know, if you want to tell, give somebody some negative news or, or criticism, you know, sandwich it between something positive, you know, say something good, then something negative, then something good, right? Listen, middle managers of the world out there, it does not work. We are psychologically attuned to focus on the negative, no matter how much sandwich you put <laughs> in it or, it or it into, all right? So just don't try that one um you know if you're going to say you know you were really really good and all this everything's excellent but and then you follow with the negative everybody will focus it on will be focusing on what is said in the but there's a great quote by john snow in the game of thrones he says you know my father always told me that everything before the word but is a load of bull and then i haven't ticked the swear swear um, box so i won't swear but you can imagine what follows uh, anyway, so uh, this is a review by a lady called, uh, I'll just say her first name here so that, you know, I'm not outing her on the internet. Uh, Suze will call her actually from Paris. Uh, and she says, it seems to me, it seems that you are not wanting to edit your podcast, but honestly, less is more, especially in terms of structure. Some of it is really interesting, but on the whole, too long and too rambling in style, which can put us off listening. 
love the jingle though especially your dad <laughs> so my dad comes out well uh but i less so uh listen Suze, i really appreciate that um i i take actually what you say say to, uh on board uh i am going to maintain the one take option and i know that means that it can be a bit kind of wayward and rambling i have tried to put in a structure uh, to it but i will take what you say on board and from the next uh episodes i shall try and be a bit kind of smoother uh, and uh, a bit more focused and structured. So thank you. In your honor, I shall say goodbye in French since I noticed from your blog post, uh, from your review that you are from Paris. So thank you for that. Uh, another couple I'll just give a shout out to as well. There is a great podcast from Gorilla Muscle. That is a great username. Thank you, Gorilla Muscle. Uh, like your style, very personable, uh, great for the commute positive way to start the day from marvin of gorilla muscle thank you marvin and yes actually i realized that a lot of people listen to podcasts uh, on their commute so this is what i want you to do actually this is some positive vibes i'm putting into the world when you listen to my podcast once it's finished i want you to do something nice or something good for a total stranger on your commute whether it's just a smile or kind of you know getting up you know giving your seat to another person just do something positive i want to put positive vibes out uh, to the world so thank you for that gorilla muscle man uh, and then the final one uh, here is a great podcast really inspiring uh, Collie, you're truly an inspiration. Your podcasts are brilliant. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to read all of this because it's really, I'm so, it's, gosh, it's, it's almost embarrassingly glowing, uh, which is lovely. Actually, the kind of British citizen me in me is, is saying, Collar, do not read that out. You know, one does not praise oneself. <laughs> and then the Nigerian in me is like, yeah, come on, man, just read the whole thing out, post it on Instagram and everything. Uh, but just to say that it's a very, very positive review from Loved In or LD. Uh, and she thanks me in fact it's lovely she tells a story about how she used some of the techniques i talk about uh, to give a speech which was very very well received by her manager um and her father i think it is so uh yeah really inspiring stuff thank you very much for that ld okay so let us get going uh, i am going to give you my uh, 10 greatest speeches by women. I'm actually going to break this podcast up into two because I think if I did the whole 10 in one go, it would just be uh, too long and rambling as Suze from Paris has uh, thankfully told us. So I'm going to break this up and I'm going to uh, go from 10 to 6 now and then I'll do from 5 to 1 in a second episode that I will put out within a week. Normally I do this in the space of two weeks, but this one I will do within a week. So... Let us get going with my first review uh, or the first speech coming in at number 10, going in reverse order. And this first speech or number 10 is by Lupita Nyong'o. And this was her acceptance speech at the Essence Black, Black Women in Hollywood Awards in 2014. Uh, it's a speech that comes in at just five minutes, which is great because speeches should be short, right? The greatest speeches should leave you wanting more. So the longer you speak, the less your audience is going to retain and the more likely they're going to want you to start shutting up. So keep your speeches short. You will always hear that as a recommendation from me. Uh, and she does this and it's a good thing because when you do acceptance awards, you know, you know, avoid the, I want to thank God, my mother, my dog, that kind of thing. Just get to the point, say something meaningful and memorable and then be done. And Lupita does this very well. The focus of this speech actually very poignant is that she talks about 
uh, the the impact on her life of growing up as a dark-skinned woman so lupita's you know i'm sure you've seen her in movies obviously in black panther she's in a recent movie called us as well uh, and she won an oscar for 12 years a slave and she is a beautiful but very dark-skinned woman so the the assumption or at least the, the the experience she had in her life was that being dark-skinned was not considered beautiful when she was growing up when she was younger she felt quite ugly she felt she would pray every morning as she talks about in this speech to be given lighter skin and that is something that really afflicts a lot of girls uh, in the world in many cultures you know many cultures have this uh, obsession with having that lighter skin means more beauty there's obviously a lot of historical reasons for that and she suffered for it uh, it's really poignant for me personally because uh, I have a uh, black wife who is quite dark-skinned herself. Uh, I have a black daughter. And so it's a very important topic for me to make sure that my daughter in particular, I mean, my wife is gorgeous, so I kind of don't need to tell her that, although I should probably tell her more often, you're gorgeous, baby. <laughs> um, but my daughter in particular, I want her to look at herself in the mirror and say and feel from kind of the depth of her soul the bottom of her heart that she is beautiful and i think you know she really does and we're getting there um but so that's why this speech really resonated with me i think and she talks about um she talks about how when she was growing up she would really um, look in the mirror and and want to be lighter skinned and it wasn't until she uh, saw Alec Feck the model Alec Feck who is all, another beautiful woman but also and also very dark skinned uh, and it wasn't until she saw her that she suddenly realized that you could be beautiful and be that dark and it kind of changed the trajectory of her life and she really goes into it and and I, it's quite a special speech uh, for me uh, and uh, the best line in it actually I'll, I'll kind of I'll, I'll for all these speeches I will say the best part of it or the best line in my view the best line for me in this speech uh, was when she said uh, that even Oprah called her beautiful called Alex Weck uh, beautiful and that made it a fact and that actually got a, a laugh in the audience as well because Oprah was there watching the speech and it was lovely because yeah for many people and me included because I think Oprah is just a, an awesome woman uh, for many people you know Oprah is the final word on anything so it was lovely the way she said yes it was given the stamp of approval uh, but overall, it was a really touching, touching speech. Uh, she was very emotional through it. The audience was very emotional through it. And she rightly got a standing ovation for it. So it makes it into my personal top 10, probably for personal reasons, but it is a very beautiful speech. Uh, I will say the one thing I would improve on it, this is I'm going to cover this for all the speeches. The one thing I would improve on it, I think, is I would probably have... Uh, I would say that she she kind of was uh, sniffing a lot through it right now. It's understandable because she was emotional, but that slightly detracted from the delivery. So if I was being super critical, and remember, this is my top 10, so I can't be that critical. But if I was being super critical, I would say that her delivery needs to be a little bit more poised so that she allowed the emotion of her content to do the work for her. Uh, but that's a minor, minor criticism. Overall, it is an excellent speech and that is why it makes it into my top 10. So number 10 is Lupita Nyong'o's acceptance speech at the Essence Black Women in Hollywood Awards in 2014. What do you think? Do let me know, by the way. Do reach out on Twitter or just post a review 
uh, and tell me what you think uh, I would love to hear. Okay, so that is number 10. Let me take a quick drink of water, actually. Mm. So coming in at number nine, number nine, this is my, well, my the one and only TED Talk I'm going to have in the list. Now, it's not that I've excluded TED Talk specifically. I mean, I have one in it. But I wanted to avoid the, I mean, I would say the the set piece nature of TED Talks, right? TED Talks are fantastic. You know, if you don't already listen to TED Talks, please do. They're such a great resource. You know, download the app. They've got an app as well. And just, you know, let it send notifications to you or search for different topics. But I wanted to avoid TED Talks largely because it's kind of geared to be the inspiring speech you know everybody comes and you have to say it in a set format and then you know you tell a story and so forth and that's wonderful but for my purposes I wanted speeches that were kind of more organically great right so speeches just happen to be great in the moment not because everybody is gathered to hear this wonderful speech Uh, so that's why I've shied away from TED Talks even though there's some brilliant ones but this one is a TED Talk it is by Sheryl Sandberg. Uh, She gave it in 2010 and it's kind of titled Why We Have Too Few Women Leaders. She, of course, Sheryl Sandberg, uh, is a very famous uh, leader in her own right. She's the, I think her title is the chief exec, probably CEO of Facebook uh, and really CEO of Facebook at the time that it really experienced its kind of huge growth and dominance over the world. So a very powerful lady. Uh, it's a speech that comes in at 15 minutes, which is okay. Uh, I like speeches that are short. 15 minutes is good. That's the kind of time frame that TED Talks um, want them to be. Uh, and and this speech is really good because what she's doing is she's talking about the difference in the way in which men versus women uh, take opportunities, essentially. So she she talks about how a man with one set of abilities will essentially have an overinflated opinion of himself. I think I recognize that. Uh, and will often go for roles for which he may be, you know, kind of 70 percent um, suitable for. Whereas a woman often has a lower uh, view of her own ability and often won't go for roles for which she is 90% suitable for. And she give, she makes a lot of ob- observations along those lines. She talks about how, you know, she would sit at a table and if there were other women in a boardroom, often they would sit away from the table and she would have to be encouraging them to kind of come forward. She'd say kind of bring yourself, you know, take a seat at the table. Uh, in fact, this speech in 2010 is pretty much the precursor to the lean in book that she wrote and the kind of lean in movement that she led, which was all about getting women to take their rightful place at the table, take their rightful place at the board table as entrepreneurs, as leaders, uh, as kind of top level employees. Uh, so this speech is really chock full of that kind of substance about it. So it's a, it's a really, really, really strong speech just in terms of what it was doing quite ahead of its time I mean it's kind of just it's obviously before the Me Too movement which it kind of you know kicked in in 2018 and so forth uh, but it really was the the kind of the the the, the grounding for what would later le- become uh, the Lean In movement and then obviously the Me Too movement on the slightly different uh, tack so very important speech uh, best line in it, I think, is where she says we've got to get women to sit at the table. Uh, that was pretty much the thesis or the premise of her whole talk. Uh, how would I improve it? Um, I would say that I was not 
overly impressed with her delivery. It was kind of mild, I think is the way I would describe it. You know, I, I think she really could have done with having some greater passion into her delivery. So she she certainly gave good stories. She took, told a few jokes, which were nice. Uh, and the substance, you know, the content is is pretty remarkable. But overall, I felt that she didn't really deliver it in a way that where the delivery itself captures the audience. Uh, and of course, when you're delivering, you can't just rely on the content and the logic of what you say. You've got to, to an extent, have some passion and emotion to carry your audience away with you. So that's the one small criticism I would give of the speech. But overall, a fantastic speech. Uh, justifiably comes in at number nine on my top 10 greatest speeches by women. Okay, let us move on to number seven. Now, number seven is an interesting one because it's the first, there are two actually uh, in my list, the first for which we do not have any kind of video, I would say, footage. Uh, and that is obviously pretty serious because it's difficult to judge how great a speech is when you don't see it actually delivered. Speeches are not just the words uh, and the content. They are the way in which they are delivered as, as well. I always say that there's kind of a symbiotic relationship between what you say and how you say it. So it's very important when you're giving your own speeches that you really focus on those two elements. So we don't have recorded footage of this speech which in a way just increases how great a speech it is because just by the power of its words, we really are recognizing how uh, incredible this speech is. So it was given in 1913. Uh, it's popularly titled Freedom or Death, and it was given by Emmeline Pankhurst, who uh, was a very significant uh, leader in the women's vote or suffragette movement. So, you know, to, to give you the context of this speech, uh, this is at a time when women were not allowed to vote. I know it's kind of hard to imagine, depending on where you live. Of course, in some places, it really still like that. But in a way, certainly for you know many of us in the Western world, it's hard to imagine that that really was the, you know, was the case. Um, but yes, women were not allowed to vote. This is a time when women went on hunger strikes uh, in support of the vote, where they were burning down men's clubs. And, and in fact, uh, one of them was stood in front of the king's horses at the Derby and was trampled to death. That's Emily Davidson. So, you know, it's a real time of of kind of political turmoil in terms of the place of women uh, in our world. And Emmeline Pankhurst was a great figure and she uh, was traveling. She had traveled to America. In fact, I think there was a warrant out for her arrest in the UK. She had traveled to America to do a fundraising tour speech. And she was given this speech in Connecticut. And um, she kind of started the speech, started it out saying that, you know, I am temporarily away from the field of battle to talk to you and explain to you what war is like when it is waged by women. What a powerful opening, right? You know, you know you are going to pay attention when someone stands up and talks in that manner. And she goes on to give a really uh, infusive speech that is kind of in the mold of great women leaders, you know, like, you know, your queen nanny of the Maroons, you know, that kind of powerful female warrior figure. Uh, and throughout the 
speech, she talks very, very strongly. There's one analogy she uses in particular, which I think was excellent, where she talks about, she said she brings it down um, kind of in a sense to kind of a, a, a woman's analogy. So she says, look, if you have two babies and one is screaming and the other one is quiet, which one are you going to feed first? She says, of course, all of us know it. You're going to feed the one that's screaming first. It's just human nature. And she uses that example to justify the amount of noise and the amount of disruption that the women's suffragette movement was using as a, as a political strategy. She said, look, basically, you have to make noise if you want to be heard. And, you know, if you think about it, that is the same approach that, you know, the civil rights movement used It's the same approach that anti-war protesters use, climate change activists, you know, even the Me Too movement. It's really all about you've got to make noise. You've got to be disruptive. There is a Bernard Shaw quote that says uh, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable man adapts the world to himself. Therefore, change depends on the unreasonable man. And in a way, this speech of hers is is in that mold. Uh, Best line in the speech? Uh, I think it really kind of comes towards the end um, where she says, we will put our enemy in the position where they will have to choose between giving us freedom or giving us death. And that, in fact, is why the speech is popularly known as freedom or death, the freedom or death speech. But what a powerful thing to say, really. Uh, weaknesses. Well, because we don't have because we don't have the uh, footage, video footage, as it were, I can't really comment on weaknesses in the speech. In fact, I'm going to say, uh, Meline, that your weakness was record delivering this great speech when there was no video footage of it. Uh, that's what I would say to that. But really a v- remarkable speech uh, and definitely one that uh, justifies making it to the top 10 list who knows if we actually had video footage of this speech it went for about seven minutes or so uh, in 1913 maybe it would even be a little bit higher so that is emmeline pankhurst she comes in at number uh, eight on the great speeches by women so let's go to number seven number seven now, I am conflicted by this because uh, this speech is by Hillary Clinton. She gave it in 1995 uh, to the UN and uh, she... Um uh, gave a speech called, well, its title is uh, Women's Rights Are Human Rights. It's the Women's Rights Are Human Rights speech. And she gave it, this is, in fact, this is just about, probably about the time that Bill and Monica were kind of engaging in their dalliances, but nobody knew in, in the world, right? So so Hillary Clinton was still uh, in the fortunate position of being, you know, the venerable first lady without a hint of scandal uh, to her family. And she gave this very, very substantial speech, you know, really weighty, looking at so many issues on women's rights and and women's livelihoods. You know, she talked about the access to education and employment. You know, she talked about uh, how when women are free and flourishing, then families are free and flourishing. And she linked women in Denmark to South Africa, to Indonesia. She talked about prostitution and voting rights refusals and mothers, women being denied loans and mothers not being able to get jobs after child rearing. So really deep, substantive and substantial speech. 
very, very weighty. And uh, her line, uh, which is really the best line of the speech, uh, it comes where she says that if there is one message that echoes forth from this conference, let it be that human rights are women's rights and women's rights are human rights once and for all. Really brilliant stuff. So a great speech and it, it makes it into my top 10. Now, why am I conflicted by this? Well, it's because it's impossible for me to look at this speech without the coloured lens of the 2016 election where she lost to Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump, you know, I will say allegedly about what I'm going to say in case he's listening and decides to take action about it. But Donald Trump is a senseless, you know, selfish, self-absorbed, stupid, silly man, right? You know, he is he is just not deserving of the role. He is not a smart guy. He's not interested in learning, which is kind of the worst of two combinations. But he still won the election. And I'll tell you what, I think it is entirely because Hillary Clinton was an appalling communicator. She really was. She had every qualification. She had everything going for her, but she could not take people and bring people along with her. Her speeches were stilted. Her, her, you know, her, her, presentation skills were kind of quite dour right so in this day and age with so much television with 24 hours news coverage with social media you really have to be somebody that can persuade that is somebody that is charismatic and Hillary Clinton just wasn't I'm afraid and that I think is the root cause if you ignore any Russian influences <laughs> the root cause of the reason that she lost or the root cause of her loss so this speech stands as a testament to how substantial she is as a as a as a person as a leader uh, but it's tinged with that kind of conflict as I say in my mind because uh, I think Overall, she is not a great communicator. Now, how could she have improved this speech? I would definitely have liked to seen more emotion, even though it was a speech to the UN. So, you know, it's not exactly the place that you're going to you know, do a massive, you know, uh, set piece, dramatic piece of oration. Uh, but I would still have added a bit more emotion in her delivery. At 20 minutes, it's slightly on the long side for me. I like things that are to the point and punchy, but it's the UN. So that probably uh, is a place for it. So if I was to criticize it, it would be just turn up the emotion dial by kind of three notches, Hillary, uh, and then you probably would have won the election as well. But nevertheless, that was uh, number seven in my list. Uh, Women's rights are human rights, a speech by Hillary Clinton uh, in the good old days for Hillary back in 1995. Okay, let us move on. Now, this will be the final speech uh, in this episode, we're going from 10 to 6. And in the next episode, I will count down from 5 to 1. Now, the episode, the the, the uh, speech in this uh, episode, or number 6 rather, is actually a poem, which is very unusual because, of course, uh, you are not likely to find many poems that make it into people's top 10 uh, presentations. You know, let's be honest, right? Nobody understands poetry. You know, I'll listen to poems, but really, unless it's fairly simple and it's, you know, rhyming couplets, <laughs> you don't understand poetry. I don't understand poetry. And I actually don't think that poetry is made to be 
fully understand until you really study it and study it and study it. I think poetry is made to make you feel connected it's made to carry you away with the the rhythm and the and the patterns and the and the melody of the words so poetry is really a very difficult one to deliver and in a way that is what makes it pretty special because uh, speech number six uh, in my top 10 list is on the pulse of the morning delivered by Maya Angelou, a great, great lady, writer, broadcaster, producer, and so forth. Uh, And she delivered this in 1993 at the inauguration of Bill Clinton. Hillary was there as well. At the inauguration of Bill Clinton, 1993, it's about 100 and 105 lines or so forth uh, of a poem. And if you think about it, you know, I would imagine that 99% of the people who were watching, this is, you know, hundred thousand, hundreds of thousands of people coming to watch, uh, maybe a couple of million, I don't know, coming to watch Bill Clinton at his inauguration. So the masses of people who have no doubt not studied or done any poetry since they left school. And yet, when she speaks, the entire crowd is silent. Even though she is delivering these lines, and a lot of them, I would gather, 90% of that poem would have gone above their heads because it's, 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 it's not an overly complex poem, but equally, it's not simple either. You know, you have to really understand some of the references to, uh, to what she covers. But they are completely absorbed by it. Now, the message of the poem was very much about inclusivity, about how as a nation they had had challenges in the past. There are, you know, a whole load of different peoples coming from all over the world. But the the promise of America, as it were, is to forge all of those people into one and to show that how that they are more similar than they are dissimilar. They are more alike than they are unalike. That was really a theme to a lot of the work that she does or did, uh, the late Maya Angelou. And so this poem kind of fits with that in that role. But I think that it wasn't so much the content of what she said. Oh, sorry, I whacked my my mic again it wasn't so much the content of what she said that carried people away with her i think it it was the tone with which she delivered it because one of the things about maya angelou is that voice oh it was such a melodic rasping voice you know a voice that you can just listen to her read the phone book and you would be carried away with it and a very important tip for all of us as public speakers which is it is very important to pay attention to the sound of your voice, to treat and to think of your voice as an instrument, like any other instrument, like a trumpet or something. Think of it as that, because the sound of your voice has a direct impact to the connection you make with your audience. So very important to work on the sound of your voice when you deliver. And Maya Angelou's voice just sings. It is melodic just in the way she turns of, you know, gives a turn of phrase. And I think that is part of what makes this speech so, so great. Uh, In terms of kind of best parts of this speech, uh, there is a section where she references kind of many people of many different races uh, that really just captures you. Uh, She says, so say the Asian, the Hispanic, the Jew, the African, the Native American, the Sioux, the Catholic, the Muslim, the French, the Greek, the Irish, the rabbi, the priest, the sheik, the gay, the straight, the preacher, 
the privileged, the homeless, the teacher, they all hear the speaking of the tree. And it's kind of an ode to inclusivity, but isn't that just kind of a lovely, lovely passage? And you can imagine if you've ever heard Maya Angelou deliver or speak, you can, you can really hear uh, how melodic her voice is. So I do urge you go and watch, go and, you know, with all these things, go and watch uh, YouTube and, and listen to the speeches or watch watch the speeches and you'll be carried away uh, with it as well. Uh, so a great uh, delivery there on the pulse of the morning, a great speech, even though it was a poem and it definitely makes it into my top 10 at number six. What would I improve? Well, to be honest, I really can't say there's much I would improve on this one. Uh, poem wise, I'm not a poet, so I could definitely not be tweaking Maya's Maya's content Uh, and as you've heard me say I think her delivery was spectacular because of the majesty and the gorgeousness of her voice which we really all should be trying to uh, model uh, and kind of aspire to so Maya Angelou's On the Pulse of the Morning uh, 1993 makes it into my top 10 at number six and that is where we shall leave it for this episode so that it doesn't get too, too long. Uh, I am not going to give you a link to, I, I always will kind of have a link to one of my blog posts in uh, my in my show notes of my episodes uh, so that you can kind of go away and read stuff once you've listened to what I say uh, because I want to keep it a slight mystery as to where I, where I end up with on my number one so uh, if you haven't already seen my blog post and stuff don't search for it now I'll give you the link in the next podcast episode which will come in just a week I normally do these every two weeks but I want to kind of bring this second part of this uh, to you quite quickly so I'll post that one in a week uh, so that is the end of this particular episode. Thank you very much for listening. Do please send in your reviews. You know I will give you a shout out if you do. Also tell me what you think. Do you agree with this list? What do you think should make it to the uh, top 10? What do you think should be number one? Are there any that you disagree with? Would love to hear from you guys. Uh, just remember, if you're listening to this podcast episode, from now on, I want you, every time you finish listening, to go and do something nice for a stranger, especially if you are on a commute. And I shall finish uh, in French uh, as a tribute to Suze, who gave me my first uh, positive, uh, sorry, negative, positive, negative review, as it were. You, you know what I'm talking about. Thank you very much, Suze. Uh, and I shall leave you with uh, au revoir. Hmm, that wasn't a very good French accent, was it? Uh, au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Anyway, goodbye. Cheers. <laughs>